probably our clearest examples are like acute stressors, whereby we know that can have a direct impact on cow physiology. For example, a stress that causes a cortisol spike in cows may lead to a block or reduction in, say, oxytocin release, which may actually limit milk you let down in cows. Welcome to Rumination, the podcast that dives down deep in some of the issues and opportunities in the ruminant industry. Hi, I'm Chris Quinn, your host, and today I'm talking with Dr. Trevor DeVries from the University of Guelph. Trevor is a professor and the Canada Research Chair in Dairy Cattle Behavior and Welfare. Dr. DeVries has received numerous industry awards, most recently that in 2021, the New Nutrition Professionals Applied Dairy Nutrition Award from the American Dairy Science Association. And again in 2021, the Medicam Bovine Welfare Award from the Canadian Veterinary Association. So congratulations, Trevor, on those recent awards. Today we want to discuss and learn more about stressors in dairy cows and maybe expand a bit on how single and multiple stressors impact the cow's physiology or behavior and subsequently her health and performance and how these stressors can be measured and how they can be alleviated. So with that in mind, Dr. DeVries, thanks again for your time. Thank you for the invite. It's a pleasure to be here. So Trevor, you've been studying cows for what, 15 years and your work in dairy cow behavior continues to create a lot of clear understanding about what's going on in, in particular during the transition cow and, and feeding behavior. Today, I wanted to talk more about stressors and the industry often focuses a lot on on heat stress rightfully so yet you know there are many other stressors that impact cows and what are some of the common stressors that cows may interact with on a daily basis on a dairy yeah no good question and as you as you said probably the one that gets the most attention is heat stress um again that's in some places of the world that's uh uh, 365 days a year in, in other parts of the world that's more temporal, right? Yeah. Um, but there are other stressors, as you mentioned, that cows may face regardless of uh, environmental conditions uh, throughout the year. And probably the biggest one that uh, we know of is, is social stress. Mm-hmm. And, and that social stress... Uh, uh, can come from a, a variety of different places. Now we know cows are social animals and they like to be in social environments, but there are aspects of that social environment that may have negative effects on them uh, and be actually stressful to those animals. For example, when we've got overcrowded situations, whether that's overcrowding at the feed bunk, at the lying stalls, or even say like a holding pen for a parlor. We know that that can have negative impacts on those cows, be stressful to those cows, and and then change their behavior, have physiological effects as well. There's there's other types of social stress that might be negative too, just parity composition of groups, right? When we mix young animals with older animals, that can have a negative impact, particularly on those younger animals. And, And similarly and kind of related to that would also be uh, situations where we move animals or regroup them with, with new animals, uh, particularly around stressful periods of time like calving. 
Okay. And and that again that may compound together and have negative effects. So that's that's kind of on the social side of things. There are other kind of stressors we can think of as well. Uh, nutritional stressors, for example, that may not only be a stress on the cow physiologically, like the rumen, just that a change in diet, uh, but then just from a perception standpoint, the cow may also view a, a big change in diet. Uh, as a stressor as well and and may not adjust their eating behavior quickly enough to adapt to say that new diet and so that could be a source of stress and then another example uh, would be just physiological events like calving itself could be viewed as a stressor and so there might be stress associated with that and then other say health events that occur right so while stress can lead to health events Health events in themselves, particularly those that may be painful to the animal, uh, could be a source of stress. And so that could snowball and, and right, uh, compound in, in those situations as well. Thinking about things like lameness or metritis, I guess. For sure, yeah. yeah. And so these stressors, and you mentioned altering physiology. So can you expand a bit on how these stressors do impact the cow's physiology? Yeah, no, and that's... Uh, that's it's it's an area where there's good research, but um, we still need more. Uh, okay. Definitely, probably our clearest examples are like acute stressors, uh, okay. whereby we know that uh, that can have a direct impact on cow physiology. For example, a stress that causes a cortisol spike in cows may lead to a block or reduction in, say, oxytocin release which may actually limit, say, milk, milk you let down in cows. And, and so probably one of the clearest examples of that is like bad handling of cows in a milking parlor. And, yeah. and there's some really cool research over the years to show that, right? If we don't handle cows well or if they're mishandled, you'll see that spike in cortisol. You'll see a lesser letdown of milk in response to a kind of a block of oxytocin release in those cows. Um, and so those, so those kind of clear, there are clear evidence of that kind of acute stress. We also know that a lot of these stressors we talked about, those are more chronic type stressors. And, and chronic okay. stress can have differential effects. We know that in itself, like if a cow has chronic stress and a physiological response to that would be say cortisol or increased uh, blood cortisol levels, that in itself can have negative impacts on, say, the immune system and even uh, reproductive hormones and, and so leading to reproductive problems in cows. Uh, the other thing that we know is that in kind of chronic long-term stress situations, elevated cortisol actually sometimes then gets responded to physiologically by the, the body by actually becoming less sensitive to that. Okay. And, and as a result of that, you see other things happening. And so some work over the last decade has demonstrated kind of a correlation between that and then the, also the, say, systemic inflammation that we see in cows in and around, say, for example, transition, and then the effects, uh, kind of the trickle-down effects that we see in terms of health and productivity. And so there's some kind of really neat studies where they've demonstrated that, yeah, cows that develop disease and reproductive problems, when we look back on those cows, we not only see yeah, negative energy balance, we see inflammation, 
but then also markers of stress in those cows as well. And so they all seem to be uh, tied together. Probably the, the other aspect or, or thing that can happen is a change in, in behavior of cows too. And, and okay. mentioned that before, stress in itself could change the behavior of cows, which then leads to negative physiological effects. And just a, an example of that would be uh, different types of stressors change, say, the activity of cows, even rumination behavior of cows. We see that with heat stress, and we see that with uh, other types of even acute stressors where there's a systemic effect of the stress on the behavior of the cow, whereby they'll actually say, for example, stop ruminating, which then leads mm -hmm. to the cow not eating as much because the rumen slows down, passage rate slows down, and then obviously a reduction in intake has a trickle-down effect on energy balance of the cow, production, etc. So, uh, and health. And, and so you, you, you have this, again, this kind of compounding snowball effect of that stress, right? Affecting the behavior, then affecting the intake, production, health, which then can lead to more problems in, in itself. So in some ways, stress impact them directly and indirectly. That's, that's fascinating. For sure, yeah. Makes it even more important on the farm level. So, and speaking of the farm level, how, how do we measure this stress? How, how, how have you successfully measured the stress or how have researchers measured at the farm level? Yeah, and again, a challenge. Um, yep. I think practically, if, if we're thinking of it from that perspective, uh, and that, that's probably our biggest challenge is simply identifying through research first known stressors and being able to walk on farm and identify those stressors. That's yep. probably from a prevention standpoint or at least an identification standpoint our easiest thing to do is just identify those known stressors and, and uh, take care of those. We can also look to what the animals are doing, obviously, and so measure the behavior of the animals. We have lots of opportunity for that now, different activity monitors, behavioral yep. monitors, Look for changes in activity, lying behavior, rumination, chewing. All those things are good. They could be indicative of stress. But the challenge there is that some of those are nonspecific either, right? So there's a whole bunch of different reasons why a cow might stop ruminating or slow down or, yeah. or not be as active. And so we also, in that case, you still have to make an assessment. If you see a change in behavior, whether that's at a cow level or at a group level, you still need to then go investigate and, and look for the source of that change. Um, we have some opportunities, more physiological measures okay. uh, that I think hold promise. And, and those are used in research more beyond blood measures of, of things like cortisol, uh, which I don't see much practicality. They in themselves have a lot of difficulty from an interpretation standpoint. Uh, there are other types of measures that we could be looking to and that have been used more in research to date. Things like changes in heart rate, heart rate variability, changes in uh, temperature, specifically eye temperature is being used in maximal okay. eye temperature. And so those are things that I think hold more promise when it comes to on-farm kind of diagnostic of stress. Uh, again, I don't think we're quite there yet from an application standpoint, but we're moving in that direction for sure. Well, you could see somehow the uh, 
technology that's being adopted, being able to fit in there. Heart rate monitors on cows, I guess, just oh, yeah. like our just like our sports athletes. Yeah, that's that's cool. Very interesting to learn. Thank you. So the other point I wanted to raise is or ask is the, the difference between a single stress and multiple stresses. And um, are they additive? How do we how do we evaluate that at the farm level? Or can you expand a bit more on what could be the impact of a single stress versus multiple stresses? And do cows hit tipping points of stresses? Yeah, I think that that's a really good um, question, and and I'm not sure I have the exact answer that we would like to hear maybe today. But the the challenge has always been, and and what we do in science often is we isolate individual factors, right? So we yep. uh, in an ideal study we control everything except the one factor that we're really interested in studying, so that we can isolate the effect of that, and and and. We've done that in a lot of circumstances uh, with a lot of these stressors we've talked about, and we, we do identify some effects. However, often when we go out into the field in commercial systems, uh, we'll see examples of some of those stressors, but not necessarily see necessarily negative effects of those. Okay. Uh, on some operations, but then we'll go to another operation where it's obvious there is some kind of negative effect going on, but as you kind of alluded to, there seems to be maybe some other stressors kind of impacting those animals. And so the question becomes, yeah, is there, to your question, an additive effect or a compounding effect of some of these individual uh, things together? And, and I would say anecdotally, and, and those that work in the field recognize that that's likely the case, but we just don't have really good data to date to support that, right? Um, uh, there is some challenges in doing that research, uh, again, uh, and, and there are, again, efforts being made, and our group's one of those that is hoping to work on some of this coming up in the future to be able to look at that from a practical standpoint of some of these major stressors we talked about earlier and how they they may interact and compound on farm to to negatively affect uh yeah health and, and productivity of cows not lots to learn yet and as you said on on some farms it goes great and other farms even less stress might overwhelm the facilities and the cows it's interesting so you mentioned research what what's next in your lab for research in this area or others yeah, and I think, well, just what I was mentioning just now, one of our kind of key things that we hope to work on is this idea of uh, additive nature of stressors and, and okay. uh, particularly in and around transition where we see a lot of these things. Uh, yep. I think that's key for us moving forward and, and especially when it comes to application of our research for those that are working in the field, uh, being able to walk on a farm and identify that there there might be kind of a yeah a ranked list so to speak of okay these factors that kind of add up to a tipping point as you mentioned and and it's when we get to that then it becomes a real problem right and so reducing bottlenecks so to speak right and and which may be the most important or which might be working together and so we have some work that we we've planned to do in that area we're hoping to do Related to that and, and long kind of hypothesized is is similarly doing that with calves as well, not just transition okay. cows. 
We see that with obviously transition cows seem to be kind of our most vulnerable animals. We see the same thing with with calves at, at various life points, right? Obviously, early yeah. in life is a big one, and then weaning time in calves, where uh, often we subject those animals to uh, a whole uh, host of different stressors, right? Uh, yep. Reduction in milk, a change in diet, often a change in housing, grouping them, changes in groups, maybe introduce a vaccination or okay. uh, some other stressor at that time. And so again, getting a better handle on and how we can maybe minimize some of those impacts and, and which of those are most important as well. And then environmental stress on those animals too. There's, okay. there's more and more work on, on heat stress and climatic variation and how that impacts those animals. And so we're hoping to continue our work in and around that. And I think the, the third kind of area of stress that I'm quite interested at this time as well is, uh, is the impact of, again, heat stress and climatic variation uh, on robot milk cows. And okay. uh, we see a lot of adoption of robotic milking in the dairy industry. One of the keystones to robotic milking is voluntary, voluntary milking. For a cow to voluntarily milk, obviously she needs to have that desire and anything that's going to have a negative impact on the behavioral pattern of those cows obviously can have a negative impact on her desire to milk voluntarily. And and I would suspect that things like heat stress and, and climatic variation are going to have big impacts on that. And obviously that's also influenced by barn and design and ventilation and interactions there as well. But to date, we really have very little understanding of that in, in the industry. Uh, a lot of our work on heat stress has been focused, and again, in hotter climates and, and not in those kinds of systems, uh, whereby in, in, say, the northern U.S., where we see a lot more adoption of robotics, as well as in Canada and northern Europe, uh, we don't necessarily have as much kind of data to support that. And so that's an area that we're hoping to, to get into in the next uh, while here as well. Fascinating. Sounds like a, another episode of Rumination down the way. So thanks for sharing that idea. So that's, that's, that's really cool how it could impact heat stress being different in particular in robotics because of the need for those cows to get up and voluntarily go get milked. Makes a lot of sense. So as we wrap up, take-home points for the audience related to stressors and dairy cows. What what message would you like to leave with them? Well, I think I think it's again we know that stressors can negatively impact cows, and and I think our our challenges uh, practically is identifying those that probably have the biggest impact on our farms, and and whether or not again. And that's something we still need more work on, but identifying how those might interact and compound. And so um, we can do that already, I think, to some degree. We, we'd like data to be able to support some of these things. But in the meantime, uh, recognizing that uh, stressors are there or potentially are there and, and looking at whether or not there are opportunities to minimize those on our farms and, and find uh, solutions to those is, is really where we've got to be moving within the industry. Don't nope, makes a lot of sense. And, and again, thanks for sharing the wealth, your knowledge and, and areas of research that you're focusing on, on the near future. So thank you very much for that. 
Nope. Thank you uh, for the invite here today, and it's a pleasure as always. Okay, Trevor, thank you again. And I surely want to thank our audience for listening to us today here at Rumination Podcast. And so that you don't uh, miss this episode or subsequent or past episodes, you can find us at our website at jeffo.ca, as well as on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. And this podcast was thankfully brought to you by Jeffo Nutrition, precision nutrition for a growing world. Have a great day.